Hello, returning happies and new listeners. This is Steve Bennett-Martin. And this is Stephen Martin Bennett. And And welcome welcome to A Lifetime Lifetime of Happiness. Happiness. The podcast where we take you on our journey through some of the movies, shows, and other bits of pop culture that are helping to keep us happy, while hopefully bringing a smile to your face along the way. And this January, we're discussing our favorite movies of 2022 with another of our favorites, Black Phone. Before we get into that, my love, though, what's been keeping you happy? So it has been the Bayonetta trilogy on the Nintendo Switch. Yes, you love your Bayonetta. I do love my Bayonetta. I first was introduced to Bayonetta on the Wii U, and now the full trilogy is on Switch with the new released Bayonetta 3, and there's even a prequel game coming out this spring, so... I'm getting all the Bayonetta I could ever want. Excellent. I love how Nintendo's been embracing that IP for you. Yes. Now, what about you? What's been making you happy? Obscure Japanese, basically, graphic novel video games. That sounds very you. Yes, it does. This time, it's the AI Somnium Files, available on all systems. Of course, I'm playing it on the Switch, the best system, in my opinion. But it is a murder mystery where you're a cop, but of course, there's sci-fi techie things involved with it and it's one of those where you get to try and do all the different what-ifs to solve the mysteries excellent that That sounds like all kinds of fun yes now why did we choose black phone as one of our favorites for the year so it is it looks to be a simple film but it's quite chilling and the way everything you know, connects together and the performances, even the color palette, like it all tells a story and it's kind of impressive and it sticks with you. Yes. Now, Black Phone is an American coming of age, supernatural horror film directed by Scott Derrickson, who co-wrote along C. Robert Cargill, and they both produced it alongside Jason Bloom. Huh. Funny enough, another Bloomhouse production. Yes. Also, Derrickson was originally set to direct Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but left due to creative differences. And for more on that movie, stay tuned next week. Exactly. So it's an adaptation of the 2004 short story of the same name by Joe Hill, who is a successful author in his own right, but fun fact is the talented song of Stephen King. Good for him. I'm glad writing credits run in semen. <laughs> Now, it was released on June 24th, 2022, with a budget between 16 and 18 million, and had a box office of 161.4 million. Now, the movie was delayed from its initial January 2022 release to June of 2022 due to unexpectedly great preview showings. Once Bloomhouse realized just how great early reactions were, they decided to give it a summer release date, which was actually smart for them. In its original January spot, it would have been fighting against Scream 5. Oh, well, there we go. We wouldn't want that. No. Now, it stars Mason Thames, Madeline McGraw, Jeremy Davis, James Ranson, and Ethan Hawke. Oh, definitely a dark turn for Ethan Hawke. He is now always a villain. Between doing that and the the Disney show where the sand... Egypt. Oh, where Moon he Knight. in Moon Knight. And yeah. it's a one-two punch of him being a villain for me in a very short period of time. So he's a bad guy now. <laughs> in no. this one, in 1978, a serial child abductor nicknamed The Grabber prowls the streets of a Denver suburb. Siblings Finney and Gwen Blake live in an area with their abusive, alcoholic asshole of a father. At school, Finney is frequently bullied and harassed. 
has a friendship with his classmate Robin, who fends off bullies who corner him in the bathroom and had no problem taking on a school bully, Moose, and beating him to a pulp. Finney has been helping Robin with his math and has earned a protector, but they also share a love of Bruce Lee movies. A boy from another school that Finney knew from baseball, Bruce, is abducted by the grabber. Gwen, who has psychic dreams much like her late mother, dreams of Bruce's kidnappings and sees that he was taken by a man in a black van with black balloons. Detective Wright and Miller come to school to interview Gwen, but struggle to believe her claims that it was a dream when she has specifics of the black balloons that no one outside the police knew. Yeah, I took him down. Obviously, I'm the grabber, you dumb fucking fart knockers. Yes, I love <laughs> I love her in there. Yeah. Like, There's a perfect mix of like innocent child and like I've been through some shit adult. Yes. <laughs> now, do you remember warnings and stories of grabbers growing up? Yeah. So when I was eight years old, so in second grade, there was a thing in West Virginia where there was a story going around in the papers and stuff about someone and a blue panel van, kind of like the grabber's van, where mm-hmm. his is black. This is just blue with no wording on it, abducting blonde children. Yes. So well, I was terrified. I always <laughs> heard, like, general threats. My mom was a big fan of, like, threatening us into be- behaving because it wasn't happening naturally. So it was very much a, like, you do that or you'll get grabbed. Oh, my God. Don't do that or you'll get taken away. Like, don't do that or the grabber is going to get you. But That's I don't not cool. <laughs> but I don't remember like an actual like thing of it happening. Thing of it happening. I just remember it always kind of being a th- a threat or like a fear that parents had. Yeah. Now, do you believe certain people are blessed with gifts as specific and concrete as Gwen's dreams? One hundred percent. I absolutely do. I have no doubt that they're like if we can see things in cards. Yeah. There's no reason somebody can't do that naturally in their dreams without needing cards. Agreed. Now, on Friday nights, Gwen stays at her friend Susie's house so she can have a night off from her dad's drinking and temper. Because when he wakes up in the morning hungover, the slightest noise sets him off. And on Saturday morning, Finney wakes up to the sound of his sister screaming and his dad beating her because the police had come to his job. He makes Gwen say that she doesn't hear voices and her dreams aren't special. But it's clear to all of us in the audience that Gwen has a special gift like her mother. Yes. Now, walking home on a Saturday, Robin sees a man get out of a black van wearing a cape. That night, calls go around the neighborhood that Robin's missing. Finney asks Gwen to try and have a dream. She has religious things she uses to create an altar and prays to Jesus to give her dreams. Soon, the police show up to talk to her again. Do you think that the second time they showed up is because they had no other leads and they're so desperate because it's children yeah, they're missing? Yeah, they'll do whatever they can do they'll, at this point. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is, too, because we don't hear that conversation. It's it's a just a montage that we're shown. Yes. But I absolutely think at that point their cops are like, what can you tell us? I swear we need something. Yes. Now, on Friday in Science, Finney is paired with Donna, the girl he likes. On the way home, it's time for Gwen to head to Susie's. Finney runs into someone claiming to be a part-time magician who has dropped his groceries all over the ground. Finney goes over to see if he can help, just as he notices black balloons in the van. The grabber wraps him in balloon strings and sprays something into his mouth and eyes to knock him out. Before he succumbs, he does fight back. Gwen hears her brother is missing and begins to pray. The way that the grabber did the whole trip and spilling of the groceries made him seem like harmless and like a clown because he's like 
whoops, oh, silly me, oh, look what happened. And you can see that a child would immediately be like, oh, no, they need help. help. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, especially somebody like Finn, who is genuinely kind. Yes. He awakens in a soundproof basement. The grabber says he won't hurt Finny ever again and that nothing bad is going to happen to him. He also called him Johnny, which was interesting. I I think he lacks credibility at this point is his problem. (laughs) Well, it's a backstory that they don't ever discuss, and it makes me wonder who Johnny might be. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Now, on the wall is a disconnected black rotary phone that the grabber says does not work and definitely will become a part of the movie. Never, especially a movie named Black Phone. Yeah. Later, Finney hears the phone ring and answers it. Your arm is mint. You almost had me. Finney remembers that one interaction with him on the field and knows that it's Bruce's ghost, unable to remember his own name or who he was when he was alive. And Bruce tells Finney about a floor tile he can remove to dig a tunnel to escape. So Ethan's Hawk's performance is terrifying. And the mask only makes it worse. Yeah, so the bottom of the mask, so the top of the mask looks kind of like a devil or a demon horns, but the bottom can be neutral, a frown, or a smile. And sometimes Ethan Hawk only wears the bottom, and you can see his real eyes and the top part. But the performance he's giving with most of his face covered yeah. is impressive. Yeah, it's chilling. And one thing I really admire about this movie on a second watching is while it is a supernatural movie by definition, it's impressive how real they make the world feel. Like this feels like a town you could visit. This feels like a family dynamics that happen. Mm -hmm. Like it all feels so real that when the phone rings, you don't think twice about it being a ghost on the other end. No, it's not a stretch. And, you know, and Finney probably answers it because in his mind, fuck, I'm locked in a basement by the grabber. I'm going to take every opportunity there is. Maybe he lied about the phone. Maybe this is somebody that can help me. Yeah. And one thing I I found interesting was the idea that the first thing you lose when you die is your name and who you were. How does that make you feel or think? Well, because is your name really your identity or is your identity made up of what you were? Where like we see... Later on, one of the people was like, I don't, that name doesn't mean anything to me. I told you I was a paper boy. Yeah. Like that means more to him than the name that he had. True. So I can see that. Yeah. And Bruce also mentions that that they all hear the phone ring, but that Vinny is special in his ability to hear what's on the other side. Do you think this is because he has a similar gift from his sister that he might have gotten from his mom? I definitely think so. I think that it's saying that his isn't honed in the same way, but he does have that connection to the spiritual side. Now, Gwen had a dream of Bruce's abduction and Finney being trapped behind a door in a brick house. And the police search for Finney so far has been totally unsuccessful. Finney begins digging under the tile that Bruce told him about and flushing the dirt to cover the tracks. The grabber brings Finney's food. And at first Finney's hesitant to eat. And the grabber's like, eat it. Don't eat it. What do I need to drug you for? You're already here. And when he leaves, the grabber leaves the door to the basement unlocked. And Finney prepares to sneak out, but is stopped by another boy, the paper boy that I mentioned on the phone called Billy. Don't go upstairs. It's a trap. He explains that this is a game that the grabber plays, and he's waiting upstairs to attack Finney with a belt if he leaves the basement, and he'll beat him until he passes out. 
and Billy instructs him to use a cord that Billy found to get out via the basement window. But when climbing up, Finney breaks the bars on the window, preventing him from ever climbing back up again. Yeah, and I hate that I probably know the answer to this question, but the grabber playing these games is such a, so truly chilling. Do you think he wants Finney to be a good boy, or does he want Finney to be a naughty boy who he punishes? It's absolutely naughty boy, because we hear that later. Yes. Now, the paper boy is a reference to a real person. Yes, Johnny Ghosh, a paper boy from Iowa who was on a route with his dog Gretchen and disappeared. His dog was found later, but Johnny's disappearance remains unsolved to this day, and no one names their dog Gretchen anymore, because it's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good times. Yes. Gwyn dreams of Billy being abducted, sees the grabber in a full view of the house, including the weirdly shaped tree in the front yard. She confides in her father about what is happening and asks if maybe her dreams are real. He says her mother was touched, but her voices and dreams made her do crazy things, and it led her to take her own life. He doesn't want that future for Gwen. But what if it could help me find Finney, she says. And immediately the dad takes her out in the car to scout for the house that she saw. Like, the father is not a good person. No, not at all. This is one moment where he's like, Acting like an actual parent, though. And I think that having your child being taken can also change that. Mm-hmm. I think that as as rough as my father could be at some points growing up, if I went missing, his behavior towards my brother and I would have been ra- radically different if it was something he had to face. Right. 100%. <laughs> yep. Now, Wright and Miller show up to a brick house and speak to an eccentric cokehead named Max, who's staying in the area with his brother. Max came to his brother's house because he is serious on the case and wants to crack it. The police write him off as a nut. It's revealed Finney is being held in that house's basement, which he's unaware of, and the grabber is Max's brother. After an agitated exchange with the grabber where he tests Finney's honesty, he makes it seem as if he would have let Finney go if Finney had only told him his real name. Do you think that's the truth? No, I don't think that any of this is true. No, I think that that's one of the, it's just a mind game. With Finney at that point. Yeah. Now, do you think that you can possibly get a, live with someone where there's a captive in your house and you don't know it? No. I mean, I mean, on several things. A, like, we also see that whenever the grabber is home and stuff, there's a bike lock on the front door. Like, how do you live with, like, what do you tell your brother? Oh, yes, we have to keep a bike lock on the front door. Why? We live in the ghetto. No. <laughs> and he doesn't, though. I mean, you can see that. And, like, don't go in the basement type of things. Yeah. And, like, it's very it's very weird. I don't know how you could stay with someone and not figure something out. Yeah. Just, I, like, just like, don't go wh- in the man cave, babe. Where is he whenever his brother, the grabber, is sitting shirtless in the kitchen waiting with a belt? Like, is he just coming down off a of coke high and he's passed out? I would guess so. Yeah. So Finney speaks to another one of the victims, Griffin, on the phone. You don't have much time. The grabber hasn't been sleeping. He's afraid his brother is going to find out. And Finney finds out that since he hasn't been playing Naughty Boy, you know, going upstairs when the door is unlocked, has prevented the grabber from moving on to the next phase of the grabber's twisted game. And Griffin shows Finney a combination to a lock and informs him that the grabber has fallen asleep upstairs 
in the naughty boy position. Mm -hmm. Then he sneaks upstairs and on the third try unlocks the bike lock. And, but the grabber's dog alerts him of Finney's escape. Finney's fleeing down the street, but is recaptured. Bad dog. Like I know Finney is scared and fleeing, but I wish he had started screaming sooner because he screamed and two people turned on their lights, but he'd already been captured by that point. Yeah. If he, had just started screaming the moment he was out of the house. I would like to think that somebody might've looked out the window and seen him running. Yeah. Now despondent over his failed escape attempt, Finney answers the phone to hear another victim, a punk called Vance, who Finney was scared of. Vince tells him today's the day and that Finney should be terrified of what's to come. Vance informs Finney of a connecting storage room. He can escape through if he breaks a hole in the wall and exits through the freezer on the other side of the wall. Finney creates a hole with the toilet tank cover and enters the back of the freezer, only to discover the freezer door is locked. The phone rings one more time with Robin at the end of the line. He comforts Finney, tells him he's been watching over him this whole time, and encourages him to finally stand up and fight for himself. He says that Finney has always been a fighter. He may have gotten knocked down, but he gets back up every time, like Spider-Man. Robin <laughs> instructs Finney to remove the phone receiver and pack it with dirt he had dug up to use as a weapon. This will be the last call. Finney has to use what they gave him to get out. So Finney begins to set everything up. Now, at this point in the movie, how did you feel it was going to end? Do you think that Finn would succeed in murdering him, or do you think he would escape with the grabber alive? So with a horror movie like this, I actually wasn't sure. I mean, with what they've been showing us and things, and it hasn't really been working, you think it's not going to be successful. But then this pep talk from Robin, you think maybe... But, you know, with how dark the movie is, I was kind of expecting the end to be somebody else waking up in the room and Finney being the next voice on the phone line. That would have been dark. I'm glad he survived. Maybe. Now, Gwen dreams of Vance's abduction and is able to interact with the dream and ride along in the cop car. And she discovers the property of the grabber. She finds the house and contacts Wrights and Miller. Max realizes Finney is being held in the house and rushes to the basement to free him but his brother, the grabber, kills him with an axe. The police rush to the house that Gwen found, but find it empty. In the basement, they find the buried bodies of the grabber's victims with only one freshly dug grave still empty. Now, how long do you think that he could have gotten away with it in a small town like this? I mean, at this point, there's how many graves? Five. Five. There were five dead kids, and Finney would have been six. Mm -hmm. He only seems to be abducting poor children, and... We've seen in our world that the less fortunate our communities are mostly overlooked. Yeah. And so fortunate. Yeah. The grabber tells Finney, you know, I was going to take my time. I want this to really hurt. And the grabber attacks Finney with an ax, but Finney ducks out of the way. Finney runs and manages to trip the grabber with the cord given to Finney from the paperboy, causing him to fall into the tunnel. Finney dug with the advice from Bruce where the grabber breaks and traps his ankle in the window bars placed at the bottom. Finney begins attacking the grabber with a black phone receiver as instructed by Robin. The grabber gets a hold of him, but Finney takes his mask, and the grabber starts freaking out without the mask on. And Finney begins to choke the grabber with a phone cord, and the ghosts begin to taunt the grabber over the phone before Finney breaks his neck with the phone cord killing him, because as Bruce said, his arm is mint. Yes. And like I hinted earlier, I didn't I didn't know how this movie was going to end. I thought he might escape. 
I didn't think he was going to kill him like that. There was just something so brutal and visceral about it. And I love that snap. And they all worked together. They did. It <laughs> pieced everything that had happened so far into the end scene. So it was really well done. Do you think that the grabber heard the voices on the phone? Yeah, at the end, definitely. I and do I, too. I love that for him. Yeah. Now, Finney distracts the guard dog with meat from the freezer that was shown to him by Vince and escapes the house using the combination he learned from Griffin. Finney exits the house across the street from the grave sites where he reunites with Gwen and the police rush to the property. The siblings comfort each other as their father arrives and tearfully apologizes for his treatment. The kids are unmoved, but the two have each other, as always. Back at school, a confident Finney sits next to his crush in class and asks her to call him Finn. Any Ugh. thoughts? So it was a dark movie with hope though, which is always interesting in yeah. a tale like this. Like, and it's always dark whenever it's children that are being killed. Mm -hmm. Ethan Hawke's performance was chilling. Yeah. Gwenny is one of the real heroes in this because she never gave up. Nope. Bravo to Finney for never giving up either because, you know, sometimes in a situation like that, especially as a 13 year old, mm -hmm. you, might not have the wits about you to try to fight back more than once or twice. Yeah. And it's, it's so well done. We've seen it again. Now it's still just as good. Mm -hmm. The performance is really good. It's Oh, fun fact. Gwen is the older sister of the little girl that was in Megan. Oh, Cool. Not Megan herself, but the girl yeah. that's her paired child. Oh, cool story. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what I also think is really cool? Is it our listeners? Yes. And I would love to hear what you thought of this episode. You could do that by emailing us at happylifepod at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with us on all the socials, whether that is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at happylifepod. And then until next time, everybody. Stay happy. You're still here, which is great, because there's something we probably forgot to mention this episode. That is correct. Each episode as we're discussing movies, music, and games, there's a good chance we've used a small clip or two from the original source material. Yes, and those clips are not ours. We do not own the rights to any of the music or clips. They were used to help solicit a discussion to appreciate the original source material. And with that, if you are still listening, you likely really appreciate our material as well. I mean, how could you not? And if you've enjoyed this episode, then you should also ask yourself, when's the last time I told a friend to check out A Lifetime of Happiness? If your answer was not today, well, it should be. Yes, so go tell your best girlfriend about our podcast today, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening to get new episodes each Wednesday. Stay happy.